The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. Here he is, Brandon. All right, welcome back to the Brandon Peters Show, a bonus episode we have here today. Uh, as we get close to the end of the year here, 2023, I want to share with you uh, one of my favorite experiences I had last year was getting to do media coverage stuff for Doctoberfest which is a Doctor Who event that happens here in Indiana. This took place in Plainfield, Indiana, just outside of Indianapolis, put on by Who North America, a Doctor Who retailer here in the United States that is, luckily for me, located in Indiana. So basically, I was brought into Doctoberfest to um, hopefully help put together a like little three to five minute video package to showcase the event uh, for the future and stuff where I went around and took a look at all the vendors and stuff there and interviewed the guests and the like. And it was a lot of fun. I had a great time. And I want to thank the owners of Who North America, Keith and Jenny Bradbury, for giving me an unforgettable experience. And I can't wait to do it all again next year. Uh, This little uh, video and stuff, I for it, I interviewed all the the people, the guests there, and there are lengthier interviews that will end up being in the final product for it, but I wanted to share those with you here. Now, they aren't like in-depth, big-time interviews. They're kind of fluffy, which was the intention of them, and you get kind of the the gist and idea of everybody. Uh, these in- interviews do include uh, the one and only Ace herself, Sophie Aldred, who played the companion for The Doctor from 1987 to 89 and returned in power of The Doctor just the past year, 2022, for Jodie Whittaker's Curtain Call. So I was very excited to talk to her among the other guests who I learned a lot of interesting stuff about, and they were a lot of fun too. I want to put up a disclaimer, though, that this was sort of a Mach 1 and stuff, and we had a limited use of uh, certain equipment and the like, and we're kind of on the fly, but the audio came back, and I was just not satisfied for it, so I had to do a lot of work to it. And while I'm satisfied with it now... It may not be top quality to you listening or whatever, but this is the best it's going to be. I'm pretty satisfied for it. It works for what we're doing here. So if there's some little weird parts and stuff, that's part of my corrective software and stuff at work trying to fix it best it can. But it's awesome. You'll get it. You'll be fine. Please note as well, this event was held back in October this year, so it is pre-60th anniversary stuff happening. So, no, we're not aware that Sophie was going to reprise Ace in the Tales from the TARDIS mini-sode series on the BBC iPlayer app, and we haven't seen any of the 60th. There's a lot of news not out there, and Chicago TARDIS had not happened yet, which will be mentioned as upcoming by a couple people in this, but please note. This all happened in October of 2023, so anything that happened after, we're not aware. Or, well, Sophie's aware, but she's just not saying. Also want to point you to the YouTube channel uh, where you can see the video of this stuff because there's a lot of people showing stuff here. They do a good job describing it somewhat, but there's also more stuff there like a Punch and Judy show uh, that I got to see that I've added to in an interview with the people that put on there on the YouTube channel. There's also just a little bit more extensions and visuals here there as well. So uh, definitely check out the YouTube channel. This is the podcast version of such. I also want to give a big thank you to Jonathan Bradbury, uh, Keith and Janie's son, who was along for the ride with me. He was my camera operator. He recorded the audio and he followed me around and was, you know, pretty much at my (laughs) disposal to help put this uh, thing together. And I had a lot of fun with hanging with him through the day and getting to know each other. But this, yeah, this was an unforgettable experience. I can't wait for Doctoberfest 2024. We're already talking about cool stuff for that. I'm very excited to be part of this. And yeah, so let's get to this stuff here. Uh, first up, we're going we're gonna to start with my talk with Keith Bradbury, about 25 years of Who North America and putting on Doctoberfest. Fest. <laughs> 
we're at Doctoberfest. Yeah. About North America, there is no Doctoberfest. Doctor Who's been there for 60 years. You have now been here for 25 years. That is correct. So if you told 1998 self this, what would, what would you say? I would say, wow. <laughs> um, you know, because when I started it, it was, you know, it was so small. It was just like a shelf in my office. And that was it. We just had some different things we'd picked up. Because me being a fan of the show and growing up, I just wanted to own some of the stuff that I couldn't have as a kid. Yeah. You know, when I was a child, I could get all the Star Wars stuff I wanted. I could get Battlestar Galactica stuff, right. you know, Star Trek stuff. You could get Space 1999. But when it came to Doctor Who, there was very little merchandise um, other than books. And so I knew the companies in the UK that had made uh, the toys. And when the Internet came around in the late 90s, you know, it started becoming more and more uh, prevalent. It was like, uh, I'm going to contact these companies in the UK and see if I can get some of their stuff. But you know, of course, getting just one or two items was kind of out of the question with them. Right. If they said, you buy a certain amount of stuff, we're willing to do it. And I'd been doing web development with this uh, website, and we were kind of chatting about Doctor Who and stuff. I was like, well, maybe if I pick some up, I can sell it on my website, and maybe somebody will buy some. Right. And within a, you know, within a short time of getting some, I had to order more. It's how much demand there was. That's crazy. It. And you were, and this was during a kind of dead period of, in terms of relevant media with Doctor Who, that the TV movie didn't take off, and right. you're not even to scream of the Schalke yet, which was a celebration for one. So, yeah, an interesting period to start, and then there was already demand. Right. Well, as you know, kind of an obsessed fan, um, it wasn't a question I was thinking about. You know, what because what it wasn't a goal to start a business. It was more right. like I just really kind of wanted to get some stuff. Right. But back at that point, the interesting thing of what the internet was doing for us as Doctor Who fans is. Uh, we were actually finding people we could trade videotapes with to get some of the stuff we'd never seen before. Right, yeah. There were, uh, you know, there were things like uh, reconstructions of missing episodes. There were UK commercials that were going around mm -hmm. on VHS tapes of, you know, compilations that people had been doing uh, with different actors from Doctor Who. So there was a lot of that going on. And we were all communicating with each other on the internet. And some of us had, you know, thought that, hey, this might be the opportunity of a lifetime to find the missing episodes. Right. And so there was a lot of discussion on that kind of stuff because the Internet opened a door that wasn't there before right. of instant communication with people all over the world. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of where it began. Um, and right as we were doing it, Big Finish was just coming along with the Bernie Summerfield audience. Okay. This was before they got the license to do Doctor Who but they could do Bernie Summerfield. And so that was right at the beginning. And, and we just started carrying some of their first CDs and it all kind of grew out of that. So and you have an amazing collection of them every time I come in. Oh, so much. Yeah. So much, so good. And there's a place that houses all of them rather than just ordering online or streaming. Right. And have the physical copy. Yeah. We, I tell love. Yeah. Um, We've been carrying those 25 years now. So yeah. Wow. Are you, are you one of the oldest physical retailers of them then or yes we, we yeah we were one of the earliest ones to adopt them um i know that uh, alien entertainment was probably the other one okay. um, back in those days also ministry of sound and vision in uh florida they were the ones who started bringing it in but we'd actually already started communicating with big machine before they were starting to do that so that was quite some high gotcha so, so they, the 2000 like five but we got in the u.s in 2006 to 10 period was that a big boom in business for you? oh and it was huge that was, yeah. yeah you were already you planted it and then right and we'd already been in business seven years and mm -hmm. the funny thing is that all the people who were getting involved in the new doctor who mm -hmm. were stuff that we were people we were aware of i mean mm -hmm. russell t davies had already written a book right you know uh we'd already been doing a big finish audio so nicholas briggs we'd known him two years we'd been involved in the Mythmaker uh, video series, which he'd been uh, involved in with Keith Barnfather. So all these people who were big names in Doctor Who for the new series were people who were, hey, we're already aware of who these are, and some of them we even knew. So it was kind gotcha. of funny that, that you know, we kind of came in on this side of right. the store end while they're on the production side on that end. So big deal. Yeah. And now you have this, uh, one of the features in the store here, you have this museum right. collectibles. Is it just stuff you've had, or did you bring in others as well. I mean, I know that some of the props and stuff have been... Yeah, it's um, it's all been stuff we've collected since we started. Mm -hmm. um, before I started this, the only thing I had were some Target novelizations, right. my own and some books. Uh, so everything that we've accumulated, you know, as far as in display has been since we've been in business. Because one of the goals we'd always had was to just try to keep one for ourselves and sell the rest. Gotcha. And so we did that, starting with Daypole figures and stuff like that. And as we've grown, it's like keep one, you know, put it on display. 
and then keep on going like that. And gotcha. that's where we came from and that's where we're at now. So do you think we're going to see like a boost too with the Disney plus edition? So it's available, like if the access to it will be bigger. I think, or? I think, yeah, the, I think that's one of the things in the last few years, access to the show has really dropped because, uh, you know, it was on BBC America, but that was such a limited cable channel. Uh, when when Doctor Who was doing best, it was when it was kind of on Sci-Fi Channel, and it was doing really well. And then it's really become harder and harder to watch as far as some of that. They can catch some classic episodes on Pluto TV. Pluto TV is a great yeah. It's awesome. But a lot of people not been able to see the new episodes. <laughs> so having on a major streaming service is definitely going to be good for business. That's so, definitely, yeah. for sure. Um, and then the genesis of the Doctoberfest. When did you start thinking, I can do a little more to celebrate this with using utilizing my store? And, and stuff like that. So when did that? Well, we bought this building about eight years ago. And one of the things we thought about with all the land and everything was, hey, we'd like to throw a festival mm -hmm. where people can come. And we, we started thinking big as far as, hey, we've got all this property. We can put vendors outside. Yeah. We can have like a little fair. And that's kind of what we wanted to do. We just really wanted to uh, uh, do some things like that. There were, there were a lot of people that since we'd done conventions in the past, um, there were a lot of people we'd met before who liked to do Doctor Who things. Right. Like, hey. Let's get together and let's have a little festival fall, you know, thing at fall festival. And, and that's really where it all grew out of. We didn't want to head necessarily in the convention direction because there's so many conventions. Mm -hmm. We wanted to do something that was a little different. Right. And that's what Doctoberfest has always been. It's just something that's a little more uh, fall festival family friendly. Type. And it's all Doctor Who stuff. Like yeah. it's everything. Your vendors have to be Doctor Who specific. Right. And everything else is not just like, hey. We, we sold them a booth, though, so they can put whatever they want here. I like that it's very constant. Yeah, we just really want to make it Doctor Who, and yeah, just kind of kind of the thing where it's like it's you know it's different than the other things you're going to, but it is still all Doctor Who. Yeah, and it welcomed in a very nice vibe with people that are all kind and just enjoy talking to the show. Oh, it's, it's been delightful. But oh yeah, and, and 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 the nice thing too is that a lot of these people are customers who've been with us for years. So we've seen them throughout the year and they're coming back and then there's some people who are coming from several states away, but right. you know, they're all, they're all people we've known for some time since we've been doing this. Any like, since you do online or stuff, any like famous customers you have buy regularly from North America? Famous customers. Yeah. Um, is that the real? So, well, you know, it, it's funny that over the years we've had different, uh, who I'd say famous people that, who bought from us, but usually it's at a convention or something oh, like okay. that. Yeah, you know, whether it's Will Wheaton stopping by and picking right. some stuff up or, you know, Brent Spiner's come in and bought some stuff. You know, so we've right. had some people who, who've actually been in our booths when we've been confirmed. And, yeah. um, but as far as like uh, regular online customers, uh, I'm sure there have been some, but I, it's just one of those okay. things where it's like, I don't keep track necessarily of all the names, but yeah, I do. I do when I'm at conventions and someone walks in and they pick some stuff up and they start chatting with you. I, I know uh, we have one guy chatting with us for quite a while. He was buying some stuff. And then when he left, one of the guys said, "Did you know that's the actor who played uh, Darth Maul in uh, in Star Wars?" Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh no, I had no clue. I was about the makeup. I had no idea. You know, well, of course, yeah. <laughs> makeup error. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's like you know, you, you you know, you run across the people at conventions, but if you're not really yeah aware facially of who they are, it's like, oh, I didn't recognize. Gotcha. And then yeah, I mean, you have a cast member, Doctor Who, here this week. Yeah, uh, yeah. Sophie Alder, that's that's awesome. Big land and. Yeah. So 25 years, 25 more, hopefully. Well, yeah, hopefully we get some going. Yeah. Now. It's, it's, That's a long time. time. Yeah, the, it's, uh, there's lots of things we'd love to do, like expand the museum, get more cabinets, because we've got, this only represents about half we've got. Right. And there's a lot of stuff we can't put out just because so much stuff. Space and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Well, excellent. I hope we do have those 25 more years. Thank you. We have Dr. Who and Soar. And Appreciate it. To all the viewers, thanks for watching. Sad, man, isn't it? People spend all that time making nice things, and other people come along and break them. Larry Van Mersbergen has one of the largest collections of Doctor Who stuff in the world. Yeah, pretty close. In the United States as well. About maybe second in the United States. Actually, in the United States. He was telling me about his collection yesterday and stuff, and um, how many Doctoberfest is this for you now? This is my second. Second one. Yeah, I got invited back as a guest this year, which means I did a great job last year. <laughs> and you provide sort of a museum for sorts here. Yes, yes. Uh, that was the idea. So we have a dedicated room where people can come through and see the evolution of merchandise from the early 60s to the modern age uh, and see where the where the big, uh, I guess, splurges were in merchandise. Mm -hmm. Like in 65 for Dalek Mania and not until 83 for the 20th anniversary. Uh, but in the between, there was a few 
things here and there. Target books started, uh, Ma Doctor Magazine in 79, um, but the anniversary to 83, then 93 had another boost, and then 96 had a huge boost for the yeah. uh, movie, then nothing until 2005, and then it just exploded. Yeah. More things have been produced since uh, 2005 than in all past history. Just, it's crazy. I know. You love the hunger for it. I do. It's harder. I do. Collector, I'm sure there's just more to, to get into. It's, it's actually, I look for the odd and the unusual. Gotcha. Uh, something that, oh, I don't know many of those. And I've got a few items that are just that, you know, special. Gotcha. And uh, that's what I really want to go for. I'm still trying to complete runs like the full hardcover classic editions or all the blue spines or getting all my target book editions. And that's, you know, just slowly but surely coming together. Are you getting ahead of the game with the Magic the Gathering? Uh, uh, I, just, I, like, I, better hurry I just got one set of cards today, but uh, that's... Well, I'm starting. I don't know if I'm going to go that route, but uh, apparently I've got a few cards in there that are already pretty valuable. I wish they just make a poster of the artwork. Yeah, and I'm, I, I don't know if I'm going to play, but I love the. I, I do have the artwork. The artwork so is amazing. amazing. So good. Oh, the artwork in Doctor Who has been amazing from the get go. It's just oh yeah, it's simply great stuff. Just what has been the eye catching thing or things, something that it, oh, or that surprised um, people today? The Bullock Dalek play suit from '65 because okay. uh, it's. The suit that was used in an adventure in time and space movie with David Bradley. Um, and uh, the annual signed by William Hartnell. Oh, wow. Which was pretty uh, pretty unique because he only signed a handful of those with his name and date. Mm -hmm. uh, I can show you real quick. It's, uh, wow. You know, nothing special about the annual, but here's his signature. Oh, wow. I bought this 30 years ago, so it predates the internet. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> significantly. And I bought it from a dealer who got this from William Russell. Oh, wow. And so I can almost verify that it was that. But William Hardnell really, al he always did personalization. Okay. Except for a stack of these books. He just put his name in the date. Gotcha. Okay. So what a what an amazing uh, find. And I've had it ever since. Uh, so that's probably, um, you know, the other thing that I have that's pretty rare is I have the first hardcover book published in 74, The Auton Invasion. Okay. And it's in pretty good condition. Uh, very hard to find, almost impossible to find. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, what what kind of thing did you think? Oh, I'm gonna pack pack this with me and wow them here at the. Well, I wanted. I actually wasn't looking to wow. I wanted to get a a good selection okay. of things from each year, uh, so that uh, I wanted to focus a lot on the '60s and then the '80s. Like you see the the ball caps over yes. there. That's when they went crazy with the logo and right. opened up the U.S. market. Mm -hmm. That was when the official U.S. launch was, was 83. Yes. I started my store in 84, and that was a great year to be a Doctor Who dealer. Right. But um, as I, you know, got older, I went to college, I sold my store, but the store got a name change, and it's still going today. There you go. Excellent. So that's one thing. I'm not affiliated. Uh, I, I love these inflatable Daleks. Yeah. And I, especially this one, because when the, the minute after this design hit the screen, they canceled it. Because nobody liked it. But they did a uh, few of these in uh, yellow, red, white, and blue, I believe. Nice. Those were the colors of the four that came on screen. What are some of the practices you do to per uh, appropriately store your merchandise? It oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. they... uh, all of the bags that I use are from Bags Unlimited Incorporated. They're one of my sponsors. These are acid-free protection bags. They will last a lifetime to keep it from yellowing, aging, protection from the sun. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, they have sizes for standard paperback all the way up to the posters. Okay. Those are also bags, unlimited bags. Um, I do try very hard to keep the Dalek play suit box in a damp free environment because it's, you know, almost 60 years old itself. Gotcha. Um, the, um, the radio times have special bags. The games have special bags, uh, just to protect it. I keep all my posters and portfolios. Mm -hmm. I keep, um, I keep a lot of things in plastic boxes, like the play sets, so that they're acid-free and sturdy, so they don't get crushed. That's so it's it's uh, protection. Uh, for a long time, my podcast had a segment called Collection Protection. I've kind of run the course with it. Okay. But I do come back to it from time to time. And your podcast, the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast. Yes. Tell people about what kind of angles you take with celebrating Doctor Who on your podcast. It's really a, a, a wide range. I start with co specific collectibles, like a mm -hmm. book series or a magazine series. And I've had celebrity interviews, including uh, Peter Purvis, uh, oh, okay. Sadie Miller. Uh, I've had, uh, um, and I will have Katie Manning on the show next month. Wow. So uh, it's, everybody's, it's kind of, uh, uh, Feedspot has a list of the top Doctor Who podcasts. Mm -hmm. I fall at 31. 
31. All right. And he's not bottle picking. Nigga, hey, there, <laughs> there's probably people they kill for 31. Um, yeah, I, I was, I was very, I was shocked and surprised actually to see that listing. I thought, wow, I've got, I've got quite a few listeners, which is great. I'm not just putting this out. I get, Eve. I get emails. Well, the, the email I got for this challenge, 60 items for 60 years, gotcha. uh, was you had to already have it in your collection. Couldn't order something new. Can you meet that challenge? It took me about, about a week or so, and I said, yes, I can, including 63. So that was uh, that was the challenge, mm-hmm. and I had my 2023 item already on order, so that counted. Oh wow! Because it was before I got the email. Gotcha. Um, but uh, that was um, and that was the regeneration figure set with David Tennant and Jody Whittaker. Oh, okay. 2023. I've got that. Yeah, I've got that one myself yeah. too. Yeah. So that was this year, but every year something happened. Mm-hmm. Even when the show was off the air, something happened. Something bigger. Some bigger bang. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Pinball Machine came out in '91. So. It's a great that. pinball machine. And <laughs> in the 90s, the license was free and easy because the show was off the air. Right. It was not in repeat. So they said, sure, we'll give you a license. So it was a, it was a great time to for Doctor Who uh, and merchandise all the way back to the beginning. Just so many things to, to go through. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to get a good sampling of including foreign editions of books, uh, vinyl records, cassette tapes. Uh, even related items like mm-hmm. the Doctor Who Book of Monsters or the Peter Davison Guide to Alien Monsters um, and uh, games like the War of the Daleks that's from 76 yeah. or the chess set from 1992. Um, the, the Hardest Tent was from 1983. Wish I had that as a kid. Oh, okay. But, uh, you know, what a what an amazing yeah. uh, selection. And the Daypole play sets. I just shared uh, the play set with uh, the ace action figure with Sophie Aldred. Yes. She doesn't have one. Oh. Just, I wish I had one of these. And I said, I wish I could help you. They're very hard to find. You're not finding <laughs> one here today. <laughs> you can look. Yeah. Keep an eye on her. All right. I do it well. Yeah. <laughs> What's the rarest target novelization you brought with you today? The rarest target edition actually I have. This can go for a pretty penny now. Um, it's in my it's in my panel box, but okay. I'll tell you about it. It's a copy of Doctor Who and the Daleks, which mm-hmm. came out in 1974. Okay. It is probably the third or second one out of the box from the publisher. Wow. Because it was in the personal library of Chris Achilles. Okay. And drew the cover. Wow. Chris passed away a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was friends with his wife Tasha okay and Tasha gave me this book with the authentication that it came from his library wow it is in mint condition it is not signed or even opened uh but typically and for publishing house they give away to the author mm-hmm. the editor and the artist first books off right. the press and so, friends with anyone that has missing episodes oh uh, well, <laughs> no but I did do a show on it gotcha. I, ca- I called it the ultimate collectible Only yeah a Doctor Who episode that no one knows you have. Right. No one can share it with you. Uh, and there was a gentleman, I can't think of his name, who actually writes about it pretty mm-hmm. regularly, but he listened to my episode and he contacted me oh. and said, I can verify. There are five Doctor Who episodes in the Prans of Private Collectors. We don't know what's on them, and they're not talking. And, that, and is that, that'd be an addition to the ones that Philip Morris and Paul... Uh, yes, well, Philip been. Morris is the one who contacted uh, he is one. okay. Yeah. All right. Um. So I've got that, and he listened to the to the episode, and I pretty much know that some of the films were taken out of landfills. They were, uh-huh. taken, and the collectors want to keep the film, which mm-hmm. the BBC assures they will. Yeah. They just want the content, which they do all right. Yeah. I'll give it back, but then when you give it back, it's not special. It's, not right. it's uh-huh. like having the Mona Lisa when it's still hanging in the Louvre. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um. So you're Peter Davison. Yeah. That. Yes. Do you have other? cosplays of doctors this is wear- the only one i know because uh, uh i grew up with john pertwee and mm-hmm. tom baker but peter davison was the first new doctor gotcha. that was really hyped and put and we waited a year for it and yeah. our, our pbs station right. added we're gonna go back to the beginning and then make you wait another year to get to peter davison so i was excited to um get him plus when i was in the many companions of doctor who fan club when i was mm-hmm. younger they were going to do a fan film and because i used to have blonde hair Oh, okay. They said, you could be the fifth doctor. And I said, cool. So I've always had a nice, um, uh, and I've had great conversations with Peter Davison. Yeah. Uh, and I'll see him next month. Oh, I'll get yeah, started. Artists, yeah. So I'll get to have my picture with him in costume, which will be nice. Excellent. Awesome. Uh, where can people keep up with all your, your stuff on uh, social media or? Uh, we're, we're at Doctor Who Collectors Podcast, okay. and the website is DoctorWhoCollectors.com. Okay. All the episodes of the podcast are on the website, although, you know, the providers don't always keep it all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we also have a Patreon with the video interviews. Okay. So um, it's, uh, 
been growing ever since I started the podcast. I started out because nobody else was talking about collectibles. Yeah. And now I'm the go-to person for collecting. It's kind of a, a great thing, and I've been doing it for 42 years. You're serious, aren't you? About what I do, yes. Not necessarily the way I do it. There is so much media in the Doctor Who universe, and one of the ways to continue adventures with old friends and explore more with new friends is the Big Finish audio series that you get uh, from Big Finish. And one of the guests here at Dr. Overfest 2023, Collision, is Russell McGee, an audio engineer over at Big Finish. Hello. And a person near and dear to my heart. Yeah. So, Brandon and I actually met a few years ago at Indie Pop Con and uh, just stayed in contact and enjoy this crazy world of Doctor Who. Um, so if he's even had me on a few times and we've talked about the Peter Cushing Doctor Who yep. films. Um, but as far as Big Finish goes, I've actually now been working with them for nine years. Um, I met Jason Higgerly back in 2013 with the 50th anniversary and then went through a six month audition process and then the rest is history, and that's how I've been doing these for the last nine years. Um, and you talked about these as far as the expanded stories that actually are out there. Believe it or not, and well, one of my other good friends, we, we figured it out. At this point, there are actually double the amount of Doctor Who stories in audio as there are from actual televised stories. So Big Finish has been doing this for 27 years now. <laughs> And they actually have more content out there for Doctor Who than even the actual TV show, which is crazy considering it's been on for 60 years now. I think there are about more now Christopher Eccleston stories on Big Finish than I think you're right. You're right. The show, yeah, because which is like incredible, an yeah. incredible land for them, and to get him interested in continuing. Which recently he said money was <laughs> reason, but right, uh, right. hey, you got to eat. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so some of these you can't talk about things you're currently working. How many are you currently working on? Are there any at the moment or? Not right at this moment. Okay. Um, I'm actually working with Jason in a different capacity. We're trying to do something different and uh, possibly bring the audios to radio here in okay. the States, uh, which has not been done before. So right. uh, more to come on that, but uh, that's not anything signed in ink yet, but we are, we are in discussions trying to make that happen so that then Big Finish would be actually on the air on the radio. Man, um, the, the hard, you're in an interesting position where the hard work you do can be heard because it's all the audio, so people know right away. But in a 40 to 90 minute installment, which these tend to be because they've been on a, a disc, how, that's 90 minutes, but how many hours on top of that does it take for your end of the deal? Honestly, it depends. Um, because I also work full-time at a PBS affiliate station mm -hmm. at WTIU. And the reason I bring that up is, like, since I'm working part-time, mm -hmm. um, when I started out, for example, it was something where the first story, which I worked on, was this guy, um, a third Doctor adventure called The Prisoners of the Wake. And on it, it actually gave me a year to work on getting just the the stories for this done, which, you know, a set usually you have um, four hours of content plus another hour of bonus features. And so um, I had a year to work on those. Those and I only did two of the story, or essentially two of the stories as far as two episodes. So um, that is how that was then. Now it's more down to like a six month process for like something like the Gallifrey sets where mm -hmm. I'm doing the full four hours plus the behind the scenes. Okay. And the thing, and a lot of people don't know this, that's interesting is a lot of the time they'll send the raw uh, audio from the actors mm -hmm. and they'll record it sometimes where it's six months to a year apart. So they're not really acting in the same room sometimes they're just acting with the director and then i have to combine all that and make them sound like they're actually talking and reacting okay. in the same room together yeah and uh then we add in all the like ambient sounds as far as like what a room sounds like and any of the effects that you hear like i always tell this story about this guy because uh in this one um with runaway bride 
uh, they had the Queen of Arachnos. Okay. And um, in that, as you'll remember, she doesn't move. No. So, like, <laughs> I had to create all the sound effects for, like, a bunch of Arachnos of them moving on different surfaces, like on a moon surface or on their uh, starship. And so the thing that we did was a friend and I got together in this five by eight room and recorded all the different sounds on like cat litter, on a baking sheet. Okay. And we used these king crab legs. And so, Holy so awesome. after eight hours of recording in a small confined space like that, mm -hmm. those crab legs started to stink a little. Right. So... It, it turned out amazing, sounds great, and you can really hear them moving around. Suck like nice for the art. Yeah, yeah, it's one of those things where now it's made a cool story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what is it like the first time you get to add like TARDIS interior ambiance? You're like, I'm doing it, I'm putting, what, what was that like? It was amazing. Yeah. It was that and like the dialects, those are the two things, like the first two times I got to work on anything like that. And here's another small story, like, one dialect story, I was in the middle of doing the sound design and everything, cutting things together. And all of a sudden, in between takes, Nick Briggs stops and he says, Hello, Russell. And I'm like, that totally caught me off guard. It was amazing. You got other messages. Did, did you get a message from like Louise Jameson or somebody who said something? Hello, Russell McGee. Uh, Louise Jameson has like, like we've even talked back and forth over email because like she's sent stuff uh, directly to me as they've been recording things like on uh, Gallifrey War Room Allegiance. So yes, I've been able to talk to her. That's fun. Uh, yeah, you and these, I mean, I was, I, there's so much big finish. It's hard to like jump it. It's scary to jump in. Just, I just say, just pick something and go with it. Uh, but it's so impressive how they're put together and it's just so, so much work. If you, okay, no budget, no legalities, <laughs> no legalities, not Dr. Who, if you were able to direct and put together a uh, big finish audio series or feature from a franchise or, you know, what would it be? Well, dream, dream project, no budget, no restrictions. Even how about the dead are still living from if someone's passed away from it? Oh, I just made it harder. You didn't just make it hard. I was going to go like, well, no, first and foremost, I would say out of like the actors that are still around, the, the one person that I would absolutely love to be able to work with and like write and direct a story with mm -hmm. would be Paul McGann and being able to do an eighth doctor story okay. would be amazing. Um, I, I, I have written one subscriber short, and I've written a few other stories outside of Big Finish, but I've not um, had the opportunity to work in that capacity yet, okay. and I would absolutely love it. Gotcha. Um, and let's go into your written work, because you you've done ears, you've done I well, I guess written. <laughs> yeah. So... Yeah, and uh, with TIU, I've also done puppets. Right, but, that's right, yeah. yes. <laughs> but with these guys, um, it's like... The Sarah Jane Smith Adventures, I wrote a story that actually is like after um, the Sarah Jane Adventure that okay. came out in the early 80s. Um, K9? Yeah, K9 yeah. and Company. And with that guy, I set it with Chris Parsons from Shada and had Sarah Jane and Chris get together because Unit calls Sarah in uh, to investigate a haunted house, or oh, a seemingly haunted house. Got, oh, of course, yeah. Right, right, right. There's right. always an explanation behind yeah. the paranormal and Doctor Who, yeah. Right, right, right. And I'm, again, as I've said to multiple people here, I'm not going to spoil the ending, but there's a really cool twist. Then on this guy, I uh, actually worked on a fourth Doctor story in Sarah. Okay. So we got a theme going here. And uh, also a little bit of a uh, Halloween theme because it's set on a ghost ship in Australia. Oh, and it's, it's based on an actual historical ghost ship. Okay. Um, where they found the ship with all the, the, the people on the boat dead and with their faces locked in a screen. Evil, the dog. The dog was like mid-owl. And the last SOS that they had from the ship was the first mate, so it it just seemed like the perfect fodder for a Doctor Who story. Okay, and so I picked that up and ran with it. All right, excellent, excellent. All right, and uh, I also want to mention: is it available anywhere publicly? But you have a fantastic uh, audio drama of Frankenstein out there. 
I do. I do. Uh, it is not available yet publicly, but uh, the other thing that I can say, because you, you're asking about outside yeah. work, uh, I just did a series uh, where we did an adaptation of a wonderful Wizard of Oz mm -hmm. and had Frank Ross from uh, Breaking Bad oh. and PJ Oakland from um, Young Sheldon okay. and a, a couple other things. But like, we got to do the original novel and explore things that you haven't seen before, of like in the film. Like there is Lacasta Tadipu, okay, which is uh, the Good Witch of the North. Okay, and in the film they combine the Good Witch of the North and the South into one character. So we got to really play with that. We got to do things like the China country, where there's a China princess, and so there's a lot of new characters that audiences aren't familiar with unless they're familiar with the novel okay and we brought all of that to life uh, with a full cast audio uh that's actually already aired on wfiu earlier this year and then um we're getting ready to release that through soundbirth theater um and it's already won nine awards through the communicator awards so we've we've done all right with it so far okay excellent all right well russell mcgee here one of the guests at Doctoberfest and celebrating Big Finish and those working hard behind the scenes. Thanks for being here, and we hope you have fun and enjoy the, the experience. The evil one. Well, nobody's perfect, but that's overstating it a little. So, Doctoberfest is a Lego constructing competition, and be better to Abbott than Jason Wilson, a Lego builder and collector extraordinaire. Hello, welcome to Doctoberfest. How many Doctoberfest things for you? This is actually my first first one. First one. What are your initial thoughts? This has been wonderful. Got to meet Sophie Aldred. That was really cool. Love it. Love it. Love it. Okay. So, um, where? How far back does your Lego love gone? You've had an extraordinary journey with. Would you believe uh, it's forty-eight years? <laughs> I can at yeah. least. Yes. So about yeah, in excess of forty-eight years when I was a little kid. And you've been a part of exclusive clubs and competitions and winning. When did when did it first uh, occur to you that hey, I might be able to do something? What was the exact key moment that turned you? Well, I joined a club back in your early two thousands when after I got out of school, spent a lot of time in school, and moved to New England for my first job. I happened to be at a Lego store, and there was a bunch of guys there. Are you guys a club? They said, yeah. It's and I joined them. So that was the New England Lego Users okay. Club. And finally enough, uh, that was before. I don't know if you've seen the show Lego Masters. I've heard of it. I know. Okay. Yeah. But one of the hosts, he was part of that club. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. He got a job a few years later for Lego. And yeah. So that's waiting on my call. We were, <laughs> we were buds. Uh, <laughs> great. Great. Um, so when did uh, your love for Doctor Who and the Legos come together? Was it. Something. Uh, or, well, I always loved Doctor Who. I always loved Lego. I didn't start combining them until, well, basically, probably about 20 years ago. Okay. Uh, maybe a little more than 20 years ago when I was like, I had a real job. Yeah. And I could afford. And I was like, I'm going to build this giant TARDIS, which is over there. All right. I just, I, I said, I'm going to build that. And I did. And that was fun. How many, like, how long did it take to like map out construct that sort of that one? Uh, years, yeah, yeah. It's a good question. Probably maybe 10, 15 hours. I had a plan, and then I bought a bunch of pieces, and then I was like, okay, let's see if I could build it. And you know, with some modification, I uh, then eventually built that. But the first revision of it didn't have the engraved uh, police box there. It was just there were Lego. Uh, tiles with letters on them and I just had that there and I was like okay we'll do that and then eventually I got a not too long ago I got a, a machine to engrave bricks and then I just made it look even more authentic um, have any of your pieces been lent out to exhibits or anything like that over the years good question uh well mainly show it shows uh that brick fair is the big one I do um which is in Virginia okay um lent out a piece that's a good question no <laughs> no, all right. no, but yes, uh, just recently, uh, community theaters in my area, they needed a prop 
and they one of my friends who I played D&D with okay. you know, said, oh, talk to Jason. He, he, he'll, he'll help you out. And I was like, so I got connected on Facebook Messenger, and I said, yeah, we need this prop of a bridge. And I, ah. and I said, oh, okay, you know, how big do you want it? Look. I designed it in a CAD program, and I said, how does that look? And they're like, oh, yeah. And then I basically designed it and built it within probably six hours. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, so there you could say it's on display. They're leasing it from me, and then I'll get the parts back. And gosh, so they pretty much paid me for my time. Uh, what have you brought here for this this day? I have that big TARDIS over there. There's the, the uh, mosaic of the Doctor Who logo. I brought that. Mm-hmm. The little scene down there with uh, Sophie Aldred's ace beating the heck out of a Dalek. Let's see. I worked my way around. This big Dalek here I brought. The littler Dalek over there. This one. That scene. I have to admit that's what we call minifigure barf, where you just put a whole bunch of minifigures out. Uh, the... Uh, David Tennant, there's another one in the TARDIS over there. Uh, there's a funny story with that one. We do a charity auction at Brick Fair. Mm-hmm. And I built the, the statue as a copy of the one I had in there. And I gave him 3D glasses, Sonic right whatever. And a friend was at a convention and got David Tennant's autograph on a piece. Oh, wow. I ended up buying my own model back because I was like, I got to have it. That's mine. It's mine. Gotcha. Now, let's, you have one uh, Space 1999 Eagles over here that yes. you're trying to get as an actual set. Yes, I am. Uh, so this little guy right here, I built this after I built this huge one. Um, this one, I wanted to build one that I can, you know, go, this is whoosh it. So, sushable. So, uh, you know, you can all in one hand and, you know, I, I did that just to test it. Gotcha. So. Uh, yeah, so I put these on display at Brick Fair in August, which is the big convention I was talking about. And a friend told me, he's like, you, you know, you have to make that submission to Lego Ideas. So I did. And it's got, got quite a few votes now. I mean, it's only been up there for two months. It's got 650-ish votes. You need 10,000 to get it to be an official set. Gotcha. So... Um, What's the, the space of time that you have to get that? So basically, to get the first 100 votes, you have two months to get 100 votes. Okay. Once you get 100 votes, then they give you a one-year extension. Oh, okay. And then if you hit the 1,000, they give you six months. And then if you get 5,000, they give you another six months. Okay. So I'm at just... I checked the day count. It's 364 days left to get another 400 votes. Okay. It's doable. That's doable. Yeah. Well... And uh, over here, I have the three different designs because there was always the the laboratory mm-hmm. and the uh, the medical eagle. So I put them and I built them. And that QR code is basically takes you right to the web page okay. and my model section for this where people can vote. So yeah, there's a lot. There's also going to be in a fan magazine called Brick Journal. I wrote an article about this, so this will be also be in there because the guy who. Uh, publishes a journal he he saw that and he really he appreciated the the accuracy of the models gotcha so enchanted uh, life's uh like you do with david Tennant, but barbara bain <laughs> that, that would be cool yeah i'm afraid i wouldn't make it look as pretty as she is there, so <laughs> fair enough you could duplicate it as a mission impossible one too you could have two there are people that have done custom uh, Space 1999, the minifigure scale. Mm-hmm. So that was, and they've done a really good job of that. I didn't do that for this. I mean, okay. probably they might say, hey, why did you do that too? If it makes it beyond gotcha. that. But but yeah, and I, I had a lot of fun building that. And the fact that people want to have their own copy of it. I was like, okay, I'll, I'll do it. Excellent. All right. Hopefully in time for the 50th anniversary, maybe a year or two after it. It might show up as a set. We'll see. Awesome. Well, they at least exist in some form. Yes. What do you think of that now, eh? A Viking helmet. Uh, maybe. <laughs> what do you mean, maybe? What do you think it is, a space helmet for a cow? Oh, I'm here with Troy Kabrodsky, a private film and television collector and a Doctorfest 2023 collision. He's brought with us some of his Sonic collections. Troy, welcome. Yeah. Yeah. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. This is going to be fun. Have you been to Doctorfest? I have not. This is my first. Your first one. Yeah. 
from my understanding, a lot of your collections at an exhibit in St. Louis currently. That is correct. That is correct. I've got an exhibition going on at the St. Louis Science Center. It's running through March of 2024. And it uh, it's in celebration of the 60th anniversary of Dr. Who and the 60th anniversary of the Planetarium at the St. Louis Science Center. Oh, wow. It worked out. And the solution, but hey... It's a day older than, than Dr. Who. You know, we're, we're trying to keep it light. Trying to keep it light there. So what have you brought, what were you able to bring here for uh, Doctoberfest? Yeah, I mean, uh, as you mentioned, a lot of my stuff is is on exhibit in St. Louis right now, but I, I, I have a few screen-used pieces that I thought would be fun to bring out. Excellent. I've got uh, a stunt prop of a sonic pen that was used in one episode. I mean, for starters, all of this is modern era stuff. Right. Uh, when you get into classic Who, there were really only three props ever built, and uh, other than Romana Sonic, uh, the other two I don't, don't, don't really exist anymore. Uh, so I've got a Sonic pin here. I've got one of Jody's Hero Sonics. I have a stunt uh, laser screwdriver uh, from Series 3. And then I have a one-off prop that was built for when Tenet Sonic got burnt out. They built two of those props for that sequence, so that's one of those. And then on the end there, standing up, is a stunt Sonic used by both Christopher Eccleston and David Tennant. That was built for Series 1. They built three stunt props for Series 1 and two hero props. So that is one of the three stunt props. It's also got the distinction of being the only complete Christopher Eccleston Sonic to still exist. Oh, wow. Uh, that's known. There could be two other stunts out there somewhere, but they haven't been located. And these are ones that have been held in the hands of these said actors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're all so, they're all filming props. That is exciting, and they're functional to some degree still. Uh, the the hero Jody is functional. That one you could stick a battery in there and light it up, and it would spin around and do its stuff. Uh, but I don't like to keep batteries in the props, and gotcha. yeah, gotcha. I don't need acid leaking. Sound to emanate from them, or is it no, no, all of your sound effects, unlike unlike the uh, little like the toy that that's right, yes, the, the sound is great, but obviously they do all that in post, right? Cool, cool. And what are some of the other documentary stuff you have that on space? Yeah, so so my focus is specifically sonic screwdriver okay. collecting with 60 years of Doctor Who, mm -hmm. kind of got a pick a lane like, go with it unless you have unlimited funds and well, I mean, there's and, and an aircraft hangar of space. So I, I chose to, to stick specifically with the Sonic device. Uh, I actually have the only existing hero Sonic screwdriver used by Paul McGinn and oh, wow. Sylvester McGoy in the TV movie. It's the only time Sylvester had one. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. So that's that's the oldest Sonic in, in our collection okay. is, is that one, which is on display. Uh, I have a fun Sonic that was used for a uh, comedy skit called The Curse of the Fable. Oh, yeah, yes. So it was a replica, an off-the-shelf replica that they used in that skit. But I have the original one that Joanna Lumley as the 13th Doctor. Definitely. <laughs> uh, and then as it relates to Modern Who, in the collection, we have hero and stunt examples of all the major characters' props. So okay. every Doctor from 9 forward, we've got... A hero example of River Song, Sonic. Uh, there's there's a lot of fun stuff. So if anyone can make it to St. Louis before March, we go. Uh, the the one time I have gone outside of my lane, I pulled the trigger on a screen used TARDIS, which oh. is also on display in St. Louis, which uh, was used in Twice Upon a Time. So okay, in the show, it was generation story. Yeah, it was it was David Bradley's first Doctor TARDIS, and then they used that same TARDIS prop again for the Fugitive Doctor's TARDIS. So it's shown up as two different Doctor's TARDISes awesome. with four different Doctors. Just it's not the main prop, but it is gorgeous because it looks like the first Doctor's no, TARDIS. There, there was a, we got a good story about the uh, David Tennant Sonic last night. We were talking a little bit about why you would pick, the, not the one he took, but the other one. Oh, there. okay. I wanted to share that. Yeah, so so I'll take a step back, which is when they rebooted the show and they were working on it in 2004. Mm -hmm. Two hero props were made for Eccleston to okay. use. And those two physical props ended up being the same props used throughout all filming okay. up through the beginning of series five. Mm -hmm. So it was always just two props that would get rebuilt, that would get refurbished, cleaned up. Okay. Same two props the whole way through. When David Tennant finally wrapped at the end of series four, they gifted him one of the two. But then the other one stuck around for a little bit more filming and ended up being the prop 
in Matt Smith's first episode at the beginning uh, that gets gooed up and then blown up. So between the two, between the two, one of them was used by three different doctors. Got a bigger journey. Yes. It goes, a little worse for wear. Uh, a little worse for wear, but are there any other, like, you know, you've, you've picked your lane with the Sonics, but is there any other aspect of Doctor Who that you're like, I just can't get into that, but I'd love to for prop collecting? So, so for me, historically, I am a prop collector. You know, that's what I've, that's what I've done forever. Screen use props is, is my jam. Right. Um, I love the TARDIS. I love the Daleks. I also love miniatures. Okay. Both of which have been used in miniature form on a right. show as well. So, I mean, were I to ever come across a miniature TARDIS, a proper miniature Dalek, or, you know, full size, but uh, the eyes did you make the miniatures of people he shrank? That would be pretty cool as well. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I've been known, I've been known to cheat if, if the right thing comes along. But uh, I am currently struggling to figure out what I'm going to do with this TARDIS at the end of its exhibition. Because while it will technically fit in my home, I have a four-year-old. And I don't want to be the guy who ended up with a child writing Sharpie all over the outside of a TARDIS. So, Understood. So we'll see where that goes next. It may go to another exhibition. But they, they did that on the set. You just didn't see from the seat. Right. covered it up. Oh, yeah. It was there the whole time. <laughs> Even though it says my name as dad right. on there. That's yeah. right. Uh, so, okay, so movie film collecting props. What are the, your top three maybe most meaningful to you that you've collected over? Uh, I started collecting screen use props in the late 90s. And okay. The first prop I ever bought was a uh, two-by-two-foot surface section of the Death Star. Okay. Like, all right. when they, when so they, people buy basketball court floors. Yeah. yeah and when they made but, Star Wars and they filmed all the miniature shooting of the X-Wing that's going over mm-hmm. it, they made all these surface sections. They glued them all together on top of like ping pong table out in Van Nuys. And that's what they flew over. So it's a, it's a big thing, right. but it was, uh, that was, that started me on my journey that you could actually find this real stuff. Okay. Uh, cause I started as a collector. I started with comic books and toys. Okay. And, uh, the first time I realized that you could actually get thing from the actual production, I right. really excited the heck out of it. So I started with Star Wars. I've collected Star Wars forever. A lot of other genre stuff. I collected Lord of the Rings hard for like 10 years. (laughs) Um, But this has been the most fun I've had collecting in a long time. And really just the people I've met, uh, the people associated with the show that I've been able to track down and interview and just try to mine for information. Because a lot of this stuff, as you can imagine, when they're making props like this, they're doing it fast. Mm -hmm. They're doing it on a budget. And they're often... Definitely not thinking about what someone is going to want to do with these from an archival purpose 20 years later. Right. Uh, lots of masks and stuff are made out of things that aren't meant to last. Right. They just start degrading. And so when it comes to trying to find the history, whether it's how many were made, how did you make it, who made it, I found myself at times talking to the people who I know made this stuff and they still don't remember. Right. It's like, look, it was a job. That was 15 years ago. Yeah. So... But it doesn't make it, you know, it's still incredibly interesting to get to talk to these folks. So what's, okay. Yeah, to bring it down. That's all right. What's the, the closest, like, what's the thing that's burned you most and you got close to acquiring, but just, oh, uh, when it swiped in the last minute or didn't. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know. I think, I think for me, the thing that kind of hurts the most from collecting, especially as a Sonic screwdriver collector, is the knowledge that the original Sonic that was used you know, from whatever, 68 on, it was the same prop throughout the entire classic run. They would fix it, they would redress it, but it was the same incredibly important, iconic prop. The first one, we don't know what it looks like. Was this the Patrick? Well, if you're talking about the three little trout, there were three different versions of that. There was a pen, there was a little gun thing, and there's the whistle. But in terms of the the classic design, one prop would survive forever. Like, I've... You never heard of a single prop being used for so long, right? And the fact that the story is it got stolen off of the desk of John Nathan Turner. So presumably it could be in a very private black hole collaboration somewhere. But it's like, that's the piece. And it's not that we know it was destroyed. It's that like, probably never going to surface, which is the thing. Because not just for myself selfishly, but for fandom, like that piece should if not be in the BBC archive, should it 
And if the, like, and the person's hands, they pass away their estate, it's just, oh, it's some toy. No one's going to necessarily know what it is. So I, yeah. yeah. And so a lot of what I do as a collector, it really is, it's it's a lot of detective work. Mm-hmm. At times it is it is really just like trying to suss out what happened, what these things were. Checking, you know, trying to get good screenshots to, right. Like it is, uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. It's great to be able to share this stuff with the fans. Before dying, do you know what happens if you hold two identical sonic devices against each other? No. Nor me. Let's find out. Kevin Lyons here creates custom action figures. How are you, Kevin? Not too bad. How long have you been collecting? Uh, it, it's been uh, probably my whole life. Your whole life? Where did, what was the genesis? I started with Star Trek and my fandom. Okay. And I... Loved it. My my very first action figure would have been a uh, Star Trek three Ertl, um okay. Star Trek figure. Like that was like the thing that I I loved. I got into Doctor Who later as a logical extension of that. What year of Doctor Who started? When two thousand five came around and Star Trek Enterprise ended, I was very very sad. And my friend said, handed me that DVD. Of, okay. Uh, the Night Doctors first season. He said, "Dude, watch this." Oh, I don't know. It's kind of like I, I watched it and I was hooked. So, is that, is that your doctor then, or do you haven't? Do- it's it's hard to tell. I got more attached to Rose than to Niall. Oh, okay, fair enough. Um, but you know, like I probably Ken Rose is is probably my favorite. What's the crown jewel of your collection? That's the current time. Ooh, hard to say. Hard to say. I was gonna say when you're talking about like just, I I have stuff. Stuff everywhere in every room. Huh. What's what's the thing that when you acquired it, it was like? Is there any big ones that you threw an auction or something like that that you acquired that you like? It's more like the stuff that I've made. The made, okay. The stuff that I've I've like put together. Like I said, I can customize because you've done. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Like when something that. works really, really well, mm-hmm. um, I'm just you know that, that that's the that's where the feeling. Gotcha. What was your first custom figure that you made? That had to be. I made a playmate's uh, Captain Cisco. Okay. From wow. season seven, which, you know, was based on a very rare Target exclusive Star Trek figure. Yeah. And I I decided I wanted to have the Deep Space Nine crew in the corresponding uniform. So that was probably the very first one I put together. Excellent. And did, so, did you bring any custom ones here with each day? Oh, yeah. Like you said, they've got a custom Jackie Tyler. We got... Uh, this this version of four unit, this ninth uh, Doctor era, um, Jack Harkness, George Lucas, John Favreau. What did you base some of these off of from the because you mix and match parts? You part, yeah, yeah. Um, you find like a good likeness, or if you a, a likeness lives or dies on the shape of a face. You can see right. the body here is is the same. I just repainted the body and found a a good head for Jackie. You know, it's pretty pretty straightforward. Anything in the works? Always, all the time. It's more just like whatever comes to whatever comes to mind, yeah. and I'll just start working. Yeah. A lot of times, customs when they come together, they come together in groups of three or four. You know, because I have this, therefore there's parts that will lead to that. So, have you worked on the uh, shooting gala? What the hell is going on here? Figure because that's all we know he says so far. Yeah, we're not there yet. Not there yet. Okay. Yeah, but but obviously, I, I can't wait to see what. What uh, what fifteen brings for us? I rather fancy entering the festival talent contest myself. Oh no, not the spoons again! We are with the guest of honor, which we will spell H O N O U R. Oh yes, yes, that's the way it should that's be spelled. The way, right? Sophie Aldred, who we know as Ace, but you know, accomplished actor and author of a wonderful book called That Childhood's End, which I did read. I know, I can't lie about that. It was a fun adventure even before you returned to the show. So, this, you're the guest of honor of Doctoberfest. What are your overall, like, vibe of Doctoberfest that seems unique to it, as opposed to you You travel, you all over to conventions, so. Well, the clues in the name, mm-hmm. Fest, yes. it really is a festival of Doctor Who, and it is a, a bit different to, it feels like you're kind of going on a trip somewhere, right. you know, because, like, um, I was taken by a shuttle to the shop and every, there's all these stores there and yeah, great fun. So it's, 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 but the main vibe is very friendly. Sort of, it feels like 
a big families come together. Yeah, very. Have you chatted a lot of episodes? Is what episode comes up most when you're chatting with the people? Who come Mostly the curse of Fenric or remembrance of the Daleks. Okay, no ghost-like kind people. Of no, people don't tend to talk about ghosts. I, I like it too. And now that there's an extended cut, yes, that I like. Which speaking of those Blu-rays, one of my uh, they're like my favorite thing. Every time they come out, it's like a piece of history, like an archive. And there's the behind the sofa, yes, segment, which you are a very recurring person. Who is someone you haven't sat with on that that you would like to know? Watch Doctor Who with. Um, it's it sort of. I don't think I've Louise James. I haven't I haven't sat with her for okay. a while. In fact, because she's so busy working, she does some very well known soap opera in Britain called Demidale, and uh, so she's always busy. So I never get to see her. Okay. okay. So it would be a good chance to get together, okay. catch up with life, and watch some Doctor Who. All right. What doctors haven't you watched yet that you'd like to? Oh, let's see. Um. You've been around a lot of them. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, Are there any watch that you can't tell us about yet? I don't think so. We don't think so. They're all out. No, I'm so kind of, I'm so out of the loop with gotcha. what's being filmed and then what's going to be shown. So I never, okay. I never like to say anything. Just there you go. I just watched you watch Terminus. So that's where right. the most recent has been. But that one was in the works for a while. Yeah. That one. So COVID kind of hit that. So excellent. Um there's a funny one where I'm with Bonnie Langford. Have you had that one over here yet? Which is, um, it's the Romans from William yes, Hartnell. we had that one. Yes, two. there you go. You didn't slip on anything uh, there. We have, oh, I ordered them from the UK because oh. they're so much better packed. They come out earlier. They and do. And the packaging will. Much packaging. Yeah, I started doing that. It's like a book. It's like everything. It's long. Come on, America. Catch it. Exactly, exactly. We just get regular cases here. So I stopped that along. I import, which probably makes the UK people mad because they're like, they're limited editions. But hey, we're well, editing it, right? Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. Um, so, um, in North America, like, have you picked up any merch from these unique, or is there anything I don't? I love um, the fan-made stuff. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I've got a, a little shelf at home where I put my favorite little Doctor Who bits and pieces. So the favorite thing I've been given this time in a awesome little box like this, Perspex Girls. And inside minute. is a little Lego figure, Ace beating up the Dalek with the baseball bat and it says, who are you calling Swarm on it? Oh, that's and it's awesome. a replica of the school, the doors. It's it's just lovely. I'm, I'm really great. Love that. I love that. One of my favorite figures is the Ace Eagle Moss when they have those, but whole opinion. Yeah. Love that one. That's a that's a good one. So you've been to this, the store too? Yes, I've thought- been to the store. I was overwhelmed by the collection and I couldn't get over the, the, the collection of stuff from the 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember it. That's the things I like. It's a, a packet of cereal in there called Sugar Smacks. Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah, and there's little badges that you used to get. Now, if only I kept them. Right? Yeah, that's somebody, well, somebody did, luckily, so you can prove that you're not crazy talking. Like, no, you go to Indiana, they have a Sugar Smacks. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. Awesome. I do like to go shopping. Shopping, yeah. okay. Gotcha, gotcha. Any mementos from this time around? Um, well, nice. I had a bit of a disaster because I, I went to buy some shoe polish to, to, to actually do the scuff oh, on my Doc yeah. Martens. Yeah. And by the time I got back to the hotel, the entire uh, lid had come off and the, the shoe polish had all gone all over my bag and all over everything. But E. But Jane is so wonderful. She's take she took everything home, trying to oh, wash it out for me. So yeah, might be well looked She off. cleans and feeds it. Like, she does. Gosh, yeah, wow. It's like having a it's full service. Yeah, I wanted that. Where am I? I know you didn't have <laughs> to show up. Oh, go around. <laughs> oh, well, I know what to ask for next time. Exactly. All right. Well, any parting words of Doctoberfest before your next panel, or anything? yeah, just uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful atmosphere here and it's so friendly and so fun so come along next time or else okay and that wraps us up for this whole thing thanks to everyone involved of course keith and janie again awesome appreciate everyone uh checking in all your support you've had for myself doctoberfest everything we're doing um great time all around and 
yeah, I can't wait to see more. And I can't wait for you to hear more on the Brandon Peters Show. So come back around. Uh, Scott and I should be wrapping up this DCEU with our Aquaman and Lost Kingdom review coming up Monday. And then stick around. My top films of 2023 will be coming soon. But till then, stay film positive. Thank you for listening. The Brandon Peters Show is a Creative Zombie Studios production. Produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters. Written and edited by Brandon Peters. Announcer vocals by Jessica Olsman. Theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Additional information on this and other episodes at brandonpetershow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at brandonpetershow.com. The show is available on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found.